Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is True Crime Psychology and Personality, where we discuss the pathology behind some of the most horrific crimes and those who committed them from a scientifically informed perspective. I'm Dr. Todd Grande. I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision, and I'm a licensed professional counselor of mental health. Dr. Todd Grande, that's my YouTube channel. Today's question is, can I analyze the case of Jeffrey McDonald? Jeffrey MacDonald was born in Queens, New York, on October 12, 1943. His father was strict, but did not resort to physical aggression. Jeffrey did well in school, academically. He was the president of the student council, king of the senior prom, and was voted most likely to succeed and the most popular. When he was in the ninth grade, he formed a romantic relationship with a woman named Colette Stevenson. She broke up with him the next year. After graduating from high school, Jeffrey went to Princeton University and studied medicine. He resumed his relationship with Colette and would occasionally visit her in Saratoga Springs, where she was going to college. Jeffrey was dating other women, but when he discovered that Colette was pregnant, he decided to stay with her. The couple married on September 14, 1963. They had a daughter named Kimberly in April 1964. Jeffrey graduated from Princeton and the family moved to Chicago in order for Jeffrey to attend Northwestern University Medical School. The couple had a second daughter named Kristen on May 8, 1967. After a thoracic surgery internship in New Jersey, Jeffrey enlisted in the United States Army in June of 1969 and was stationed at Fort Bragg, North Carolina a short time later. The family moved to 544 Castle Drive, which is a one-story garden apartment in an area reserved for married officers. Colette became pregnant in the fall of 1969. Just before Christmas of that year, Jeffrey bought a Shetland pony. He thought the family would soon be moving to a farm in Connecticut. Now moving to the timeline of the crime. On February 16, 1970, Jeffrey took his daughters to the stable so they could feed the pony. They returned home at about 5.45 p.m. He had dinner with his family, then his wife left for a college class. According to Jeffrey, Kristen went to bed at 7 p.m., Kimberly went to bed about an hour or so later, and Colette returned home at 9.40 p.m. Jeffrey and Colette watched The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. Jeffrey said that his wife went to bed, and he stayed up to continue watching that show. Afterward, he read a novel. At around 2 a.m., now on February 17, he went to bed 
but found that Kristen was sleeping next to her mother. Jeffrey said that Kristen had wet the bed. He carried his daughter back to her room and decided to sleep on the couch because he didn't want to wake his wife by changing the sheets. Jeffrey said that he went to sleep at around 2.30 a.m. At 3.42 a.m., Jeffrey called emergency services at Fort Bragg and said, Help, 544 Castle Drive, stabbing. The military police arrived 10 minutes later. They noticed the front door was locked and the house was dark inside. No one answered the front door. The police entered through the back door, which was open. They found Colette's dead body on the floor of the master bedroom. She had been stabbed 21 times with an ice pick, 16 times with a knife, and beaten badly with a club. Jeffrey was next to her. He was wounded, but alive. First responders resuscitated Jeffrey. He had a partially collapsed lung. Jeffrey said, check my kids. I heard them crying. The officers found that both Kimberly and Kristen had been murdered. Their bodies were in separate bedrooms. Kimberly had been beaten with a club and stabbed between eight and ten times with a knife. Kristen had been stabbed 33 times with a knife and 15 times with an ice pick. On the headboard of the bed in the master bedroom, the word pig was written using Colette's blood. Jeffrey was treated at the base hospital. He had sustained a mild concussion, cuts, bruises, fingernail scratches, and had been stabbed one time in the torso. He was released after nine days. Here's the story that Jeffrey told the police. After falling asleep on the couch sometime around 2.30 a.m., he woke up after hearing screams. As he stood up, he was attacked by three men and one woman. They were all white except for one black male. The woman was wearing a wide-brimmed hat and had blonde hair. She was chanting, Acid is groovy, kill the pigs. The men rendered him unconscious through the attack. When he woke up, they were gone. He attempted to render aid to his family. He pulled a paring knife from Colette's chest in the process. He then called for assistance. Right away, the police suspected that Jeffrey was the killer. They believed that the physical evidence in the house was inconsistent with his story, including where the blood was located and the fact that all the weapons used in the murders came from the house. In addition, they found out that Jeffrey had been unfaithful to his wife. The Army held an Article 32 hearing, which essentially functions like a grand jury. The judge said that there was insufficient evidence to prove Jeffrey was guilty. Jeffrey received an honorable discharge and worked as a physician in New York City for a short time before moving to Long Beach, California in July 1971. He worked as an emergency room physician. He said that he wanted to be away from the constant reminders of his family. When Jeffrey lived in California, he had numerous girlfriends, he bought a yacht, and bought a sports car. Jeffrey was vocal about how the investigation into his possible involvement was unfair. For example, he appeared on the Dick Cavett show and criticized the army. He laughed and appeared arrogant during the interview. Colette's stepfather initially supported Jeffrey, but then turned against him. He campaigned to have charges filed against Jeffrey and was successful. Jeffrey was indicted on three counts of murder on January 24, 1975. His trial started on July 16, 1979. On August 29, 1979, Jeffrey MacDonald was convicted of one count of first-degree murder, this was for Kristen, and two counts of second-degree murder for his wife and Kimberly. 
Jeffrey was sentenced to three consecutive terms of life in prison. In 1980, Jeffrey's convictions were overturned on appeal. He was released on bail. In 1982, the Supreme Court ruled against him. He was sent back to prison. Over the next few years, Jeffrey lost a series of appeals. In 2006, results from DNA testing were announced. Three hairs from the crime scene did not match any known suspect or member of the family. At the time making this video, Jeffrey McDonald is still in prison and maintains his innocence. Now moving to my analysis. The Jeffrey McDonald case is one of the most litigated cases in history. There are quite a few people who believe that he is absolutely innocent. Which brings me to the question, was Jeffrey McDonald actually guilty of the murders? Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight, cisgender white men. And the victims of true crime are not a monolith either. She's Wendy and I'm Beth, and together we host Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color, a true crime podcast. Together we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's take a look at the factors both for and against the idea that he was guilty, starting with the inculpatory evidence. Jeffrey was the only survivor of a brutal attack in his house. Every weapon used in the attack came from his house. One knife was found in his house. Another knife, the ice pick, and a piece of lumber, which was used as a club, were found in the backyard. The piece of lumber matched the wooden slats from Kimberly's bed. Why would hippies enter Jeffrey's house intending to commit murder, but not bring any weapons? Why would the four attackers have targeted Jeffrey's wife and daughters before targeting him? The tips of surgical gloves were found beneath the headboard, right under where the word pig was written. They were consistent with the type of gloves that Jeffrey kept in the kitchen. Each of the four members of the household had a different blood type, there was blood all over the house. A significant quantity of Jeffrey's blood was found in front of the kitchen cabinet, where the gloves were kept, and on the right side of the hallway bathroom sink. No blood was found on either telephone in the house. Colette's blood was found in Kristen's room. Kimberly's blood was found in the doorway of the master bedroom, yet her body was recovered in her bedroom. A speck of Kristen's blood was on Jeffrey's glasses, but he said he wasn't wearing his glasses when he entered her bedroom. Jeffrey said that Kristen wet the bed, but an analysis of the stain proved that it was not Kristen, but Kimberly, who wet the bed. There were not that many signs of a struggle in the living room. A flower pot had fallen to the floor, and a coffee table was flipped on its side. There's a lot of debate about this coffee table. Some people believe that it's so top-heavy that if it was flipped over, it would flip all the way over onto the top, 
whereas other people say that the coffee table could balance on its side as it was found if somebody kicked it or otherwise bumped into it. Fibers from Jeffrey's pajama top were found in the master bedroom under his wife's body and in the bedrooms of both his daughters. One fiber was found under Kristen's fingernail. The authorities said that Jeffrey had at least 15 girlfriends. He admitted that he had sex with several different women. Around the time of the murders, neighbors had not heard any sounds consistent with a fight, but they did hear Colette shouting in a loud and angry voice. Colette had told her sister-in-law and her mother that she was unhappy in her marriage. She had actually called her mother on February 16 and said that she wanted to return to New York with her children. So this was the day before the homicides. A 16-year-old daughter of neighbors said that in the months leading up to the murders, Jeffrey and his wife were indifferent to each other. There was a copy of Esquire magazine found in the house which contained an article about the Manson family murders which had occurred six months earlier in August 1969. There were a number of similarities between Jeffrey's story and the Manson family murders, including the perpetrators being drug-using hippies. The prosecution argued that Jeffrey's pajama top was placed over Colette's chest and she was stabbed through it. This theory is fairly difficult to prove, but it did make an impact on the jury. Jeffrey said that he didn't seek help from the neighbors after he woke up because he didn't know them that well. I guess one running to a neighbor's house and mentioning that one's family has been wiped out is more something that one would want to do with neighbors who they knew for some time. Like, there needs to be some type of rapport established before making that announcement. Jeffrey lied to his stepfather and said that he and some of his fellow Green Berets killed one of the intruders. Moving to the exculpatory factors. The investigation conducted by the Army was terribly mismanaged. The crime scene was not secured. Pretty much anybody was allowed to go in or out of the house. For example, neighbors came to check it out. An ambulance driver had stolen Jeffrey's wallet from the living room. Jeffrey did not have a history of violence. He did not have any compelling motive to commit the murders. An officer responding to the scene saw a woman with a wide-brimmed hat and blonde hair standing on a street corner half a mile from Jeffrey's house. It was later determined that the woman was named Helena Stokely. She was well known to the authorities, and her boyfriend, Gregory Mitchell, had a history of violence. Helena testified at Jeffrey's trial. She denied any involvement. She said she was using drugs and didn't remember what she was doing at the time of the murders. Helena had previously confessed to several people that she was in the house so her testimony in court represented a change in her story. At the crime scene, a single strand of hair from a blonde wig was recovered. After moving to North Carolina, Jeffrey and Colette were observed by their neighbors arguing on occasion, but overall, they were well-liked and considered happy. Not long before the murders, Colette wrote a letter to friends of hers from college. She indicated that her life was happy and she was content with her husband. One of the prosecutors in Jeffrey's case pleaded guilty to fraud, embezzlement, forgery, and obstruction of justice in matters unrelated to Jeffrey's trial. He was disbarred and was sentenced to jail. When weighing all the evidence, do I think that Jeffrey McDonald was guilty? As far as the legal standard, I do not think he was guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. The most compelling exculpatory evidence is the mismanagement of the crime scene. 
there's no telling what investigators could have altered. They may have moved blood from one room to another. They may have destroyed DNA. There's just no way to feel comfortable with the integrity of the crime scene. As far as what actually happened, I think that Jeffrey was guilty in reality. Witnesses said that he was capable of flying off into a rage. He was unfaithful to his wife, arrogant, obsessed with publicity, and recovered extremely fast after the death of his family. There is no indication that anyone else was in the house when the murders occurred. Here's what I think happened. This is just a theory, my opinion. Jeffrey was successful and was enjoying his life. He was a physician, a captain in the army, and was pretending to be a family man. In reality, he was frequently having sex with other women. I don't think Jeffrey premeditated the murders. Most killers do not purchase a Shetland pony for their murder victims prior to committing homicide. It's not like Shetland ponies are the harbinger of death. You never hear a wife saying, I thought I was safe with my husband, but then he bought me a Shetland pony. Now I know I'm doomed. I think that Jeffrey was generally satisfied with being a husband and father. He did not have plans of changing anything major in his life. During the early hours of February 17, 1970, something happened which led Jeffrey to attack his wife suddenly. Probably a fight about infidelity, although the prosecution theorized that Jeffrey was mad because Kimberly wet the bed. Jeffrey was capable of committing murder because he had psychopathic and narcissistic characteristics. In addition, he may have been taking an amphetamine called Escatrol. As Jeffrey was attacking his wife, Kimberly walked into the doorway of the master bedroom. Jeffrey didn't want to leave any witnesses. He decided to kill his daughters in addition to his wife. He had been reading about the Manson family murders in Esquire magazine, and he had met four hippies in a bar when he was visiting his brother on Long Island. The descriptions that he gave of the intruders matched those four hippies. Combining these influences, he fabricated the story about the attack hippies. He then tried to manipulate the crime scene to match this fabricated narrative. He used his knowledge of surgery to injure himself in a way that looked serious, but was not life-threatening under those circumstances. Jeffrey did not understand how his behavior during the years following the murders made him appear cold, arrogant, and unfeeling. The incompetent behavior of investigators called the credibility of the crime scene into question, but Jeffrey could not outrun his personality factors. Ultimately, the same characteristics that facilitated the murders facilitated his conviction. This has been True Crime Psychology and Personality from Ars Longa Media. This content is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Ars Longa Vita Brevis. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.